chair, staff is ready when you are. Thank you. Good evening. Um, this is the November 2nd, 2022 meeting of the Sacramento Disabilities Advisory Commission meeting. The meeting is now called to order. Will the clerk please call the roll to establish a quorum? Yes, thank you, Chair. Commissioners, please unmute and turn on your video for roll call vote. Commissioner Kennedy? Here. Thank you. Commissioner Crowley? Present. Thank you. Commissioner Fink? Present. Thank you. Commissioner Hernandez-Santana will be absent tonight. Commissioner Neal? Is absent. Commissioner Williams? Present. Thank you. Vice Chair McMillan? Here. Thank you. Chair Tuzon Boyd? Here. Thank you. We have a quorum. Thank you. Um, this meeting is being held virtual via Zoom. For members of the public who wish to join, please refer to the agenda for the Zoom link. Once you have joined the meeting and wish to speak, um, raise your hand to provide public input when the chair confirms the public comment speaking period for your desired item. Online, click raise your hand on the bottom of your screen. In the mobile app, you may raise your hand by tapping the raise hand option in the more tab. If you are calling in via telephone to raise your hand, dial star nine, then unmute or dial star six. Speakers will be called on by the last four digits of their phone number, and you will have two minutes to speak once you are called on. We will now proceed with today's agenda, starting with the land acknowledgement. <clears throat> Please rise for the opening acknowledgements in honor of Sacramento's indigenous people and tribal lands. To the people of this land, the Nisinan people, the Southern Maidu, Valley and Plains, Miwok, Putwin, Wintun peoples, and the people of the Wilton Rancheria, Sacramento's only federally recognized tribe, May we acknowledge and honor the native people who came before us and still walk beside us today on these ancestral lands by choosing to gather together today in an active practice of acknowledgement and appreciation for Sacramento's indigenous people's history, contributions and lives. Thank you. Please remain standing for the Pledge of Allegiance. Uh, Commissioner Fink, will you please lead us? I pledge allegiance to the flag of the United States of America and to the Republic for which it stands, one nation under God, indivisible with liberty and justice for all. Thank you. Our first business today is approval of the consent calendar. Uh, Madam Clerk, are there any members of the public who wish to speak on the consent calendar? Thank you, Chair. I do not have any hands raised for the consent calendar. Thank you. I, I need uh, some clarification on the follow-up log item. Uh, I'd like us to discuss some of the items on the log. Is this the appropriate time to do that or is there another time in the agenda that we have that discussion? I'll take comment from staff or the clerk, please. Or legal counsel. Hi, Chair, it looks like no one else is answering. Um, just to step in, um, you can pull it off of the consent calendar in order to have a discussion about it. And then once those edits are made, we bring it back into the next meeting on the consent calendar so you guys can vote on it. 
Okay, I would uh, like to go ahead and do that. Then as chair, pull the um, follow-up log from the consent calendar. So we will just be voting on the meeting minutes. I have a from... quick question, clarification. So if we pull it so we can discuss it, but anything we discuss or add doesn't happen to the next meeting, but at the next meeting, the only way to add or discuss it is to do the same thing. At what point do we never adopt it? We vote on it at every meeting, so. Okay, but the comments we, so we would comment on it, ask for changes, the changes come next month, and then we move to adopt it without the changes this time? Pulling it from consent so we can actually discuss it. Um, again, if somebody wants to tell us what we do from there, whether we approve it or, because I've been told that we discuss it during commissioner comments, and we do, and things get added to it, but um, we're not getting updates. And so I'd like, that's why I was seeking clarity tonight. And that's where I was a little confused because she said then the changes we add, we adopt next time, but if it goes on consent and we have to pull it off and we update it then, and then we readopt the changes the next time. I'm just curious, do we adopt the changes from last time and then have discussion on changes for next time? Or like, I just wanna make sure it doesn't keep continuing and never like actually get adopted? Well, stuff was added to it based on discussion that took pl place during the meeting, but that was basically a commissioner asking for things to be added. So I'm hoping for actual discussion, which doesn't typically occur under consent. Mr. Hicks, I see you turning your camera on and off. <laughs> I know we were confused about this like a couple of meetings before and truthfully, I'm still not super clarified on how we're supposed to like really address this when it's a consent item <laughs> yeah so i uh, consent items are usually they're non-controversial items that are dealt with in whole you know you'll watch council i have 10 items in their consent and they're voted on as one and so um as as alexa said if you want to discuss if you want to pull this off and discuss it um then you can do that you can go ahead and vote on the minutes and since you've since um, the, the uh, chair has pulled this off, you can comment on it. And then I can think you can vote on it separately with those comments and with those additions or, or taking stuff off of it. And then we would just be approving that the, the at the next agenda? meeting. I don't know about that. I, uh, Alexis, Wouldn't we be approving the amended week? item, like making an amended resolution? It, it, but minutes, that's her, yeah. Yeah, the minutes are separate. So, I mean, say, I mean, somebody says, I'd like to add this to the agenda log. Hey, look at item three. We've, you know, we've addressed that. Let's pull it off of this at some point. Then since you are voting on it, I think you vote, I mean, it to me, it doesn't make any sense. And hopefully Alexis doesn't disagree with me. But if you are amending the agenda log to add items or take items away, then it would make sense to vote on it now as opposed to waiting till next meeting. And then you say, well, what did we agree to last meeting? So I hopefully, hopefully that's consistent with what Alexis says. But I think you could say, you know, make your edits now and then vote on it. And I certainly agree with the CAO. Okay, perfect. So um, we have separated the uh, follow-up log from the meeting minutes. And so I will entertain a motion um, regarding the meeting minutes from our October 5th meeting. 
Motion from Mo Crowley. Second, Commissioner Williams. Thank you. So I have a motion to approve our meeting minutes from October 5th by Commissioner Crowley, a second by Commissioner Williams. Uh, Clerk, will you please take the roll vote? Yes, thank you, Chair. Commissioner Kennedy? Aye. Thank you. Commissioner Crowley? Aye. Thank you. Commissioner Fink? Aye. Thank you. Commissioner Hernandez-Santana is absent tonight. Commissioner Neal is also absent. Commissioner Williams? Aye. Thank you. Vice Chair McMillan? Aye. Thank you. Chair Tuzonboy? I abstain on this one. Thank you. Motion passes. Thank you. Uh, so we will now take up the follow-up log. Um, is staff available to entertain our comments and questions on this item? Uh, yes, I am. Perfect. Thank you. Um, before I um, make my comments, do any of the other commissions, commissioners have comments or questions regarding items as they appear on the follow-up log posted with today's agenda? May we please ask for um, the clerk or the assistant to pull it up on the screen? Alexis, are you able to do that for us? Yes, just one moment, Chair. Working on it right now. Thank, thank you. Can everybody see that okay? Or do we need the clerk to zoom it in? Maybe as tight as you can get it on the screen. <clears throat> and then I will start by calling on Vice Chair McMillan. Yes, so thanks, uh, Mary. M my questions were relating to the follow-up log in general. And I was leaving the, I had plan to talk about this in the comment section towards the end of the meeting because my questions are not about specific things on the follow-up log but about the use of the follow-up log in general so um should i wait until the comment section commissioner comment section about how the follow-up log is used rather than specific items on the current follow-up log no, you know what? I think this is the perfect time to do it, Commissioner McMillan. Okay. I agree. Okay, so so if you don't mind, um, I don't mean to go down a rabbit hole here, um, but th there's been um, two meetings ago, we had a new commissioner join our group. And it's important for us to know our fellow commissioners and um, what their backgrounds are and what their purpose is for joining our group. 
So we asked for an agenda item to be added um, two meetings ago. It wasn't added at the last meeting, so we were told we couldn't talk do that talk then, and it's still not on the agenda. So um, I just need clarity on that. I just wondered if that type of thing has to be added to the follow-up log to make, as a follow-up to get things added to the agenda. Is that the purpose of the follow-up log? Is it an action item for staff or the ADA committee to get back to us? That was my question um, about the purpose of the follow-up log. Um, that, yeah, so, so, so there's that. Is, is that what the follow-up log is supposed to be? So I, you know, to introduce a new commissioner to, to the committee, I don't know. That doesn't have to be on the follow-up log. Well, um, well you my, can do, my, my, sorry, point, my point there, Jerry, is not, not introducing the commissioner. It's about, my point is more about getting something added to the agenda that doesn't get added to the agenda when it's asked. Is the follow-up log the appropriate place to note that? because it's not in the minutes, because the minutes don't record that. You could watch the video to get that, but when we ask for something to be added to, we'd like to talk about in the next meeting, how, what is the mechanism to get that added to the agenda? The talking about the new commissioner was just an example of that, if you will. Okay, so it's, not not to beat a dead horse, but as far as a new commissioner, that's not something that should go on the agenda log. I mean, you could do that, you know, that's kind of a uh, uh, ceremonial item, if you know, as it were. So, no, but as far as stuff that you want on the agenda log, so what you would do, this is the perfect time to do it. Um, the the uh, chairs pulled it off uh, consent calendar. And so this is the time to say, hey, I'd like to, you know, I'd like to have this uh, added to the agenda log. Um, and I think when we do this, you know, uh, when we add something to the agenda log just to help Mr. Werner out and other folks, I think we need as much specificity as what you're looking for as possible. Um, but um, yeah, this is the time to do it. And then once, you know, we go through the group and I'd like this added, and maybe, you know, maybe Mr. Werner or whoever else could add, could weigh in and say, hey, item seven, we've already dealt with that. Let's pull it off. And then at the end of this process, uh, at the end of this item, then we vote on it. Or you guys vote on it. I don't vote on it. So I'm hearing two things from Vice Chair McMillan. I'm hearing a request that had been made um, more than once to add an item to the agenda that still has yet to appear on the agenda. So it sounds like that might be a, a separate discussion under or I don't know and the second thing is the use of the follow-up log so I too see clarity and I will call on the other commissioners who have their hands raised um, these items have been on the follow-up log with the same comments unchanged for several meetings um, and I know that I personally have forwarded contact information for more than one of those items uh, to staff, for example, the language policy. So it, it seems to me that um, there could at least be an update in the language on the follow-up log. So I'm seeking clarity on, on how this is to be used. Um, and then I will uh, 
Commissioner Crowley, Colin Commissioner Crowley, and then Commissioner Fink. Thank you for the time, Chair. I wanted to, uh, two things to be added that are not present that have been part of uh, city communications with the commissions as a whole. And so what's missing is the update from the ADA coordinator. There was great discussion in the past year about uh, a team being developed within the city and that accountability to the commission is missing from this um, current list. I would mention that I, I don't believe that that is the same as an update from the Personnel and Public Employee Commission, uh, but to the spirit of what's being discussed, since that is the one of the older items from March, it is the third, uh, it would help if these were numbered uh, for efficiency of our meeting time. So it's the third item down March 2nd, where we're, what that I'm referring to for the Personnel and Public Employees update. And if anything, it should be uh, updated to today's date uh, to uh, reflect how the city has redesigned how commissions as a whole are being managed and that that would be represented uh, in lieu of, uh, at this point, uh, this update. The second comment is that when we look at the work plan, the annual work plan, so if someone could help me identify that as being an item, that is something that would never fall off of this. In fact, it, it was intended to be a way to properly manage the efficiency of this commission and to provide transparency between the city and our constituents that we represent on this volunteer commission. So I, uh, I don't see it readily in my view, but if, um, if the team could help identify where it says work plan, that is a deadline. And uh, what I'm trying to express is that we should update as of today's date that the work plan, that annual work plan is reviewed in November, is voted on and agreed upon in December, and is ready for any new commissions and any new ordinances or anything that should be updated for January. And that has always fallen through the cracks. And those, that item in particular is to always maintain itself on the work plan. So that's not, but that is something that should be updated on the date. And those are my comments. Commissioner Fink. Yes, I was hoping, and I know this item was originally placed by the chair, but on the fourth item down on city projects presentations, I thought it'd be great to update the description of the request. It's the presentation on the city's homeless master siting plan and how it'll serve persons with disabilities. Um, so last week, the city adopted a major policy shift to move a lot of the funding resources from the homeless master siting plan into affordable housing. Um, so I thought it'd be a great time to update this to get an update on that. I happen to personally through our office at Paratransit be involved in this. Paratransit is actually developing a project with the city that the city funded, um, $8.4 million for a 100% ADA accessible development to serve persons with disabilities and others for 216 units. So I know there's action here, but because that change was such a big change, I thought this would be a really good time to get an update from someone like Danielle because it was a major shift the city's really been talking about 
um, about why it's happening, what it means, and they're changing their approach. So I just would like to consider updating that because there's a lot of movement on that right now. And it does have a lot of effect specifically to serve persons with disabilities built into that plan. Thank you, Commissioner. So that item in particular that I did place on the agenda was placed on the agenda in um, September 2021. So it's been on the, or placed on the fall blog. It's been on the fall blog for over a year. And it still says that staff is researching this request. And as you noted, there's been movement on this. So um, I think this goes to the general question is, what is the point of the follow-up log if nothing gets followed up that's on the log? So that, you know, uh, Commissioner Fink raised that item. I have um, placed the Golden One Traffic Management Plan on the follow-up log um, due to some concerns from constituents and we were told that they were gonna fall back to the original plan, however, the original um, traffic management plan no longer applies because the uses at 4th and J have changed since the original management, the traffic management plan was adopted. And I um, have stated that more than once. And so I still believe that that needs to come to us for discussion. Um, you know, and that was put on the follow-up log in May and we were told we'd get an update. Um, and the update was that the Kings were gonna go back to their old plan, but their old plan doesn't apply again because there's a hotel now at 4th and J that didn't exist when Golden One first opened. Um, so that's why I wanted to discuss the follow-up blog. We've got lots of stuff on here. It's not coming to us um, in any meaningful way. Um, and these are specific things that we have identified either through our networks or direct contact with constituents that are um, accessibility concerns for citizens in the city of Sacramento. So I'm, I'm not sure uh, who can address these questions by the commission on how this log is meant to be used. I mean, literally it's just been a log with stuff listed on it for now over a year. I can comment on a couple of these items. Um, for example, the update on the on the, on the top. So the update on the PPP PPE commission um, and the annual work plan. Those are going to kind of be folded into almost one item. Um, I actually talked to the city clerk about that today about the annual work plan. If we should proceed with that, um, they recommended that I wait on that because here in the next couple months, um, maybe in within the next month that that new reporting process for commissions uh, should be going to council here and very soon. Um, so early January, February, there should be a presentation on that incorporating what the new annual work plan will look like and the format for that. So that is in the near future. Uh, the golden one traffic uh, management plan. Um, again, that's something I'm working on. Uh, I started working on a report uh, probably be in December and it looks like I'll be presenting. I don't think the Kings are going to be able to present on it. Um, indeed, they did go back to the original plan. Um, the original plan identifies the 4th and J location, which is still accurate. Um, there was some changes to that, that block uh, with the hotel construction in the valet. Um, however, the construction in that valet incorporated designs for an ADA drop-off area. So that was actually incorporated 
and planned when uh, uh, when the traffic management traffic management plan was created. So I would be I will be providing an uh, information update on that next month, hopefully, as soon as I get some details. <clears throat> Okay, so, um, and I appreciate that uh, update, Josh. A couple things I would say, um, there isn't sufficient space for ADA drop-off when all the parking spaces are being used and when somebody is unloading, um, you know, items for the hotel, so. Okay, um, well, again, I'll hope to get that on the agenda soon um, mm -hmm. because all those parking spots are blocked off and, and, and that road's reserved for ADA drop-off during events. So um, again, I'm working on details to provide you guys a presentation update on that. Okay. Um, yes, and the commission gave feedback on that, um, on the plans for that back before the hotel was built and found lots of faults and it never came back to us. So I will look forward to that. In regards to the annual work plan, I'm gonna ask that we continue to keep that on our agenda for January. Uh, we were told last January that we would um, be presenting to the PNPE by April and um, using the new format that's been discussed now, again, for um, nearly a year. Uh, so I would just request that we go ahead and keep that on our, on our, um, on our follow-up blog and have it on the agenda in January because, um, you know, we've been hearing for several months that these changes are just months away and it would be good for us to have some direction in the meantime. Um, Commissioner Crowley. You are muted, Commissioner. Okay, well, Commissioner Crowley looks like she's frozen. Okay. You're still muted. Commissioner, uh, Vice Chair McMillan, while we wait for Commissioner Crowley. Uh, I, I just like to add that maybe. Um, we um, we find a way. I, I believe this um, follow-up log has got a lot of stuff on it that we could not even address in two years. There's a lot of stuff on that. And to be fair, we do have a responsibility and we've been asked to provide as much information to the city to help facilitate these things. And I think in some cases we have. So I, I would just suggest that um, we we keep the comments current. If, if we feel that as the commission we've provided enough information, we should put that in the comments. And likewise, the city staff could provide comments back. Like Josh give, just gave us two good updates. If they were in the comments, we would understand where we are. Um, and I don't want to, I'm not suggesting we bring this subject up every month to talk about this list but it is a big list and uh, maybe we, sh we need to think about prioritizing or numbering them as Commissioner Crowley said as to what's important because there, there is more than one year's worth of presentations on this thing. So that's just my suggestion. I don't wanna spend every month going over this list, but probably uh, quarterly or something like that. I do believe the annual work plan should be a, a a quarterly thing.
thing that we do look at, but I'm just thinking that maybe we could use better use of the comments to keep us all updated on where we are. Thank you. Uh, Commissioner Crowley, are you able to comment? Yes. Go ahead. Yes. Can everyone hear me now? Yes. Okay. Thank you. Sorry about that connection issue. I just wanted to be clear that the reason we're discussing it now is because we're trying to, as a commission, be more cognizant of the reopening, uh, the end of emergency orders that the governor has identified for February. And it is very uncomfortable for me to not be able to have for my constituents any sort of recording on the website uh, for the city website for a list like this where my constituents are gonna hold me accountable. So I concur with the vice chair's comments that this, this has turned into a list that we as commissioners are holding the city accountable to those projects that are important to this commission. As such, the dates that are identified on this work plan are outdated. They're not holding anyone accountable as, be, as uh, previously mentioned. And in order to reconcile that, we can do that effectively with being orderly on the work plan, uh, adopting as a commission what's within our control. And then when updates come, as council has mentioned, uh, we get those updates and then that falls right into our work plan. Because right now, what I believe we're discussing is that things are asynchronous and we as a commission need to be in sync with the city's modernization plan and reopening plan. And as a commissioner, the reason I'm speaking again after giving my comments is to identify as of this meeting, do we need to vote on how we are going to use this work plan or are we just updating the dates so that it is clear to our constituents that when they look at this recording, when they look at what's on the screen, it does not appear that we as commissioners who are volunteering and wanting to serve our constituents and the city, it looks as though we have done nothing. So procedural delays is not a reflection of me as a commissioner. And I believe that that can be rectified today by numerically order, ordering, order, organizing this chart and updating everything to what is uh, contextually relevant to our meeting today, to the discussion at this moment, and those two examples that I gave. So I would appreciate if there are any other comments of which we can change the date of being discussed today and that we as a commission are being held accountable to then, uh, if we need to push back, but hopefully just be able to have cordial discussions and accurately plan for when those items are discussed so that I can go back to those people asking me when or what or how or where are things that are concerning this city able to be identified as it pertains to ADA. I would like to propose that we as a commission identify at least those two procedural steps within our organization system of this document until it's decided upon as a whole, whether it continues or to be uh, it termed into some other document. Okay. I don't know uh, what that other document would be, but Josh, can I ask you a question um, in regards to the item that uh, Commissioner Fink brought up, the home master, um, homeless master siding plan? Um, as mentioned, that's been on the list for over a year. Uh, what is the um, barrier to getting an update on that? And what has been your experience um, trying to bring that information to the commission? Uh, I haven't been able to find anybody to present on that. I think 
again, I wasn't really involved with that. It was, it's again, a couple years old. Um, it was basically some direction that came out of the, the mayor's office to convert some empty lots. I don't know too much about it and I haven't been able to find right. it. Right. Maybe, so, maybe I could help out. But let, let me finish first, sure. um, Mr. Hicks. Um, so you reached out to the mayor's office and nobody was available to come I and present? Not me personally, direct, directly. I reached out to my division manager. And your division manager reached out to the mayor's office? And we're not able to find anybody to present on that topic. Yet. Okay. It's an, old, it's, so, it's an older topic. It's not current. Well, it, it is actually a current topic, but um, I mean, the city council refers to it frequently at, at their meetings. Um, so is there something that would prohibit you from putting in the comments that, you know, something akin to no presenter available from the mayor's office or something to provide that. us more information on any of these other items. Cause I do feel like where you put researching this request that you have done some legwork and to be fair to you, I, I would uh, welcome you adding in the comments, the efforts that you've made and, you know, if they've been unsuccessful, that's good for us to know. Cause we do have other, um, you know, folks here on the commission have, as Commissioner Fink said, some connections to some of these items that perhaps we could advocate for uh, somebody to come and give us more information. Chair, if I may, I was going to jump in on that. Um, I know, I absolutely know that the person to contact is Danielle Foster. She's the city's housing policy manager. This item was actually an action item, the homeless master siding plan last week. Um, I know that it is being addressed um, by many of the city council departments. So I'm working with Alice and Joe and others, and they're actually doing hands-on work, both on the siding plan and on the new affordable housing plan. So I guess the question I have here is I would like to try and do it again. Uh, it's to the point they did a major press conference with all media outlets at paratransit on this specific item last week. That's how active this item is. So I think we need to give it another shot. It's active and specifically, as you mentioned, around individuals with disabilities. Um, so yes, um, Josh, if you would be up for updating the comments um, to, to better reflect your efforts um, so that, you know, uh, commissioners can weigh in or for what it's worth. We just know where things stand a little bit better. Um, all right, Mr. Hicks, I'm sorry I interrupted you. Do we then um, approve this um, follow-up log or do we table it for another day? No, I, um, uh, what I was going to say, I was going to try to help uh, Josh out a little bit with the uh, homeless master siding plan. And as Commissioner Fink said, there was a major policy change at the last council meeting. The difficulty with presenting on the homeless master siding plan uh, was that it was kind of a moving target as to you know what sites were being used. Uh, there were difficulties with a number of them. So it was a constantly evolving thing. So it was probably difficult to get somebody to actually come in and, and speak on that. 
Um, so I, I think I think Commissioner Fink's, Fink is right. Um, if you want an update on this, there has been a policy shift. And if you can get Danielle Foster to come in, she'd probably be the one to talk to. Um, and then I was gonna, uh, a couple of these other items I might be able to help on. Uh, meeting accessibility, uh, as I understand it, the uh, clerk's office has contacted or retained a consultant. I don't know if Alexis knows more than I do, but uh, to look at this issue and they've asked me about it. So. Uh, at a future meeting, the clerk will be here and will update folks on that first item, meeting accessibility, which I know has been a huge issue um, for the commission. Uh, the wayfair, the wayfinding policy, uh, to be honest with you, and I'm the public works attorney in addition to being the, the DAC attorney, I am unaware of a, a citywide wayfinding policy. I have dealt with aspects of wayfinding in the, cent in the uh, central city you know, the, the convention centers over here and the theaters over here and Golden Ones down here, that stuff. But I'm not aware of any citywide wayfinding policy, which may be the problem with trying to get somebody to talk about it. The language policy, if I understand that correctly, is that basically that is non-English speakers? Is that what the, the issue is there and what the policy is? The um, city clerk indicated that that would also address um, those who are deaf and hard of hearing. So those who use sign language. So it's not just limited to non-English uh, speakers. Okay, I wasn't aware of that. I know that I was asked to provide some legal input on that. And I, my understanding was that the city manager's office had retained a consultant or at least had done an RFP, a request for proposals to get somebody involved. So. That's what I can tell you about the items I know about. Really then, quickly, I was going to say, uh, really Commissioner, Commissioner Fink, Fink, please, just a moment. Um, so on the wayfinding, though, I believe what was brought up was that that is, you, you can't have accessibility without wayfinding. And so that's why it was on the follow-up log. So I, I understand what you're saying, that there isn't a policy, but I believe that that's why it was put on the follow-up log. And we've had public comment um, on specific projects. Well. No, well, well, in regards to that specifically, we've had public comment saying you can't have accessibility if you don't have wayfinding. So, um, um, and I don't, I don't doubt that there isn't a policy, and I believe that's what was discussed at the time by staff that there wasn't a policy. But the feedback to public works, which is what. Uh, I believe we're intended to do was that you you need you need wayfinding that should be a priority. Um, okay, sorry, Commissioner Fink. Well, that's okay, and I was gonna say that's exactly it. This was kind of a chicken or an egg issue. So when the bike, some of the bike improvements came through, and some of the restructuring of of streets and all the safety improvements were done, um, like we do a lot of travel training and where we teach people path of travel. And so I'll be asked at some of these intersections, what has been done potentially or could be done to direct people when there's divergent paths on how to go. And the answer from public works is, well, there's not a policy. And so without a policy, we can't implement these elements into the plans because there's no policy on how to do it. So it's kind of this issue of, well, we can't, we, we know it needs to be done, but there's not a policy, so we can't do it. But then it's, there's not a policy. So we can't revisit this. So the issue was, how do we create a policy to deal with accessibility as we build public works projects in things like pedestrian paths, bike trails, 
or safety elements to help those who do have disabilities, whether they be mobility, visual, audible, to make sure that the appropriate signage is available to do guiding so that people can, of all abilities can use these um, facilities. And it's kind of the, we'd like to, but there's not a policy and in absence of a policy, we can't. So this was to be, how do we get there to be a policy that this is things that public works agrees needs to happen, but can't do until there's a policy. So, you know, it's, so, so I see the conundrum here, yeah. Um, so really it's not presenting the, the extent, the existing policy, but it's really having somebody from Public Works come down and listen to, to your thoughts on why we, need a, why we need a wayfinding policy and what that should include. And identifying a way to, to make it happen, not just talk about it, because that's, you know, that's all we do. And in this like, case, it wasn't supposed to be wayfinding like here's golden one here's the in the traditional kind of like environment or economic development wayfinding this is supposed to be like path of travel actual functional use wayfinding for how you utilize city amenities not how you find city amenities vice chair mcmillan this is a great conversation and we're 47 minutes into this and we've spent a lot of time on this. So my just a general observation, the city has, uh, staff has constantly asked us for help in these items. And I think we can help as Commissioner Fink provided some valuable information that we can't expect the city to know everything. She has contact information that, and, and I think that we should make that effort to be, uh, if, we, if we could make that effort to get, provide more information the the comments made by Commissioner Fink on what the wayfinding policy is um, was, was educational to me and I guess for many other people. So if we expect um, the city to react to it, we need to provide that information to them. On, on the other side of that, hearing from Mr. Hicks, these good updates, it would in turn would be nice to get those updates made in this document so that we could see these and not have to talk about them. So when we get this agenda, uh, this this document with our agenda, we are both providing each other as much information as we possibly can to move forward. Uh, I, it's it's a great discussion. It's healthy, and I think it's been good. But it, but it is displaying the need for us to provide what we know, and we do know a lot. But there's a lot we don't know, and coming back so. It's a communication thing. And, and the one item, the um, the last thing I want to add is this update from Personnel and Public Employees Commission, item number three on the, can, that, that can be taken off, right? We've done that, we did that. So as we get these things off, let's get rid of them off the list. I think the PMPE is, it's not actually an update from PMPE, it's an update in procedures from the clerk. So it, um, maybe that's just a wording thing, but um, uh, Commissioner Crowley, do you have something in brief so we can move on to reports? Yes, I wanted to identify on the record that related to the work plan, anything that has transportation affiliated with it uh, should be taken off and replaced with the current public information on TPP. I just wanna make sure that that was captured in the meeting. I forwarded to Josh, to uh, Mr. Hicks and to the chair, the email that went out publicly uh, and uh, I'll have more to say about that in my comments. Thank you. 
Okay. And you're referring to the fall blog, not the work plan, correct? When you say work plan. Yes. Thank you for that correction, Chair. Okay. Thank you. Uh, I will um, entertain a motion to approve the fall blog with the uh, updates as discussed by staff and commissioners. Mo Crowley motion. Fink second. So I have a motion from Commissioner Crowley and a second from Commissioner Fink to approve the follow up blog um, as updated by Commissioner comments, Commissioner and staff comments, including our staff attorney. <clears throat> Clerk, would you please take the roll? Yes, thank you, Chair. Commissioners, please unmute and turn on your video for roll call vote. Commissioner Kennedy? Aye. Commissioner Crowley? Aye. Commissioner Fink? Aye. Commissioner Hernandez-Santana is absent. Commissioner Neal is also absent tonight. Commissioner Williams? Aye. Commi or excuse me, I'm sorry, Vice Chair McMillan? Aye. Chair Tuzon-Boyd? Aye. Your motion passes. Thank you. Thank you for your patience, everybody who's been waiting for to present to us. We will now proceed to our discussion calendar. Um, item number three is policy updates. Is there a staff presentation? Good evening. My name is Maria and uh, I am the new labor relations analyst with the labor relations program division of human resources. My primary responsibility will be working on the adoption of city's new policies, as well as updating old policies and procedures. And it's really nice to virtually meet you all. Um, the policy that I will uh, be handing over to you guys uh, for input will be the employee handbook policy. Um, there are many policies that are on the city of Sacramento website that we have identified um, that need both updating um, and uh, there are there may be some new policies um, that we may be adopting in the near future. Um, I hope to not overwhelm the commission by providing many policies at one time, uh, which is why at this time I have chosen to provide the employee handbook policy dated February of 2015. Um, as I mentioned, this policy is an item that we've identified <clears throat> as a priority item in need of updates and revision. The document itself communicates our organization's mission, policies, and expectations. Um, we provide this policy to our employees, both current and prospective, in order to clarify the rights, benefits, expectations, and responsibilities of employees while they're employed with the City of Sacramento. The handbook is not intended to be an employment contract between the City and its employees, and it does not create property or other rights in employment, as such rights are governed by the various labor agreements, rules and regulations of the Civil Service Board, and or the City's unrepresented personnel resolutions. In the employee handbook, employees can find answers to many questions about what the city expects of them and what an employee can expect from the city. The document itself should be easy to read, easily accessible to employees, and contain up-to-date and accurate employment-related information. Um, city staff kindly request that the Disability Advisory Committee review the employee handbook and provide feedback regarding the policy accessibility, its readability, its usability, the policy design, in order to help employees who may have a difficult time navigating the document due to a disability. And I'll take any questions. Do you have, um, do you have a presentation or like a visual 
to highlight for us the document. Uh, we don't get meeting materials uh, sent to us directly as commissioners. So um, I, I don't know if there's an expectation that we download and print it ourselves or the mm -hmm. copy of the handbook will be provided to us in hard copy so that we can review it. No problem. So this is my first meeting. Um, normally what I would like to do is provide you guys with the policy ahead of the meeting so that you have a little bit of time to review it. Um, now that I know the format of what this meeting looks like, I'll be sure to do that in the future. What I can do is definitely provide all the, um, the entire team with a copy of the policy and I can do that via email. Um, so that that way, um, should I come to the next meeting, you know, we are prepared to have an actual discussion about it. And before I call on commissioners, um, again, will you recap specifically the uh, feedback you're seeking from us? Certainly. Um, the feedback that we are seeking is that the Dis Disability Advisory Committee review the employee handbook and provide feedback regarding policy accessibility. And when I say accessibility, I mean accessibility on our webpage, um, which is where the policy is housed. It's readability, it's usability, and policy design in order to help all those employees who may have a difficult time navigating the document due to a disability. Thank you, um, Commissioner Crowley, and then Commissioner, our Vice Chair McMillan. Thank you. Maria, I'm so excited to meet you. Uh, it is really reassuring that as we approach um, a new culture uh, in the city and post-COVID, that an expert like you is there for the employees uh, of the city. And I'm very excited to know that you are um, charged with this task. My question is, because there are these um, very broad reaching disability concerns in general, are you asking for the feedback in the handbook because that is what you're currently being tasked to do and therefore you'll move on to some other project? That's part A. Or are you just doing this handbook and you're gonna defer to this uh, ADA coordinator committee and uh, as Mr. Hicks mentioned, some consultant that may or may not be coming in the time that you're working on these updates. Can you explain a little bit more about your, um, how you, can you hear me? Okay, how, how uh, you are accountable to reporting the current project and if there is anyone who is an ADA expert uh, besides the commissioner's comments for Certainly. Um, I believe what you're asking for is kind of transparency around how we identify which policy we're working on and how I'm going to communicate that with you. Am I understanding that correctly? Yes. And who is the ADA expert on staff that you are working with? Mm -hmm. So um, we have many policies within the city, over 100 of them, um, some of them which are very, very old. Um, I have consulted with my director and, of course, my manager. Um, and other subject matter experts that are in the human resources division regarding which policies are going to be our priorities. Um, we, currently, we have about 20 to 30 policies that we're looking at as single priority items. This is one of many um, that I would eventually forward over to you guys. Um, I feel that the employee handbook is an important part of what we do here in the city of Sacramento. Um, and so this is why I chose this policy 
to start with. I, I have never worked with you guys before, um, so I would like to see what this process is going to look like. And then depending on how we do with this policy, we can figure out if we are going to do more moving forward or if, you know, how much time we will need for each policy, et cetera. <clears throat> when it comes to working um, with people um, regarding policies, uh, we are generally talking to subject matter experts. So if the policy is housed within the human resources department, we're working with a human resources subject matter expert. If it's a, a public works department policy, then I am working with a public works subject matter expert. As far as the ADA review, we do have an attorney that we are working with that looks at these policies for ADA accessible items. Um, and of course, this is, I think, what I'm going to be doing with you moving forward is making sure that when we are placing things online, um, that they have the right font, that they're accessible to, to people with disabilities, that um, we have the information in there that where information can be easily found or easily identifiable. So that's what I plan to do. Thank you, um, Vice Chair McMillan. Uh, thanks, Maria. Thanks for being here and taking time out of your day to share this with us. I look forward to uh, receiving a copy and reviewing it. I, I assume my fellow commissioners will happily review it too. Knowing that this is the only forum where we as commissioners get to discuss anything um, I'm, I'm, I'm suggesting that this needs to be added to an agenda item for a future discussion that, there, that we can take away from and read this individually, but we can only discuss it together in this forum. So it needs to be agendized for the next meeting or the meeting after to do that. So I just want to make sure it doesn't slip through the cracks and uh, we don't get the opportunity to come back and discuss it as a commission. But Thank you, and I, I, I know my fellow commissioners look forward to reviewing it and providing the feedback. We just need the opportunity to do that, and it needs to be an agendized item to do that. Thank, Thank you so much. I, I look forward to working with all of you. Thank you, and um, my question was as a, actually around what the vice chair just mentioned. Did you have a time frame in mind when you would come back and, and uh, receive our input and feedback? I think that we should reconvene possibly in a month. Um, I believe that you guys meet at least on a monthly basis. Um, I would be happy to forward over the policy to you. Um, let's see how far we get within the next 30 days. And then depending on how much we get done, we can figure out from there how often we want to meet. Great. So that is a request then to have um, from city staff and Vice Chair McMillan this item on our agenda in December. Thank you. Um, are there any, oops, I missed this out of order. Sorry, clerk. Was, are there any members of the public who have comments on this item? That's okay, Chair. Thank you. And just for the record, we did not have any um, hands raised on this matter. Thank you. Thank you. Thanks again for joining us. And we're looking forward to receiving that um, handbook and providing you feedback. All right, moving on to this is information item, so no need for a vote at this time. We'll move on to item number four, which I believe has a familiar face attached to it. Welcome back, sir. The downtown mobility project. Uh, is there a staff presentation? Thank you, Madam Chair, Mr. Vice Chair, and, and other commissioners. I, I figure before I would jump into my presentation, I would just be on camera and say hi. Um, I have missed you guys. It was a pleasure working with you guys when I had the chance and I'm happy to be back. 
Commissioner Fink, I don't believe you were commissioner when I was working with this commission, but I do believe you presented for paratransit while I was working with this commission, so it's good to see you as well. Um, for those of you who don't know me on site, my name is Philip Boulier. I'm a senior engineer with the Department of Public Works, and I'm here to talk to you about one of our exciting projects today. So let me see if I can figure out screen sharing, which is always an adventure. All right. Does everybody see my screen? Thumbs up, heads, head nods. All right. Well, it's a pleasure to be here with you guys today. Um, today, I am going to present to you on the Central City Mobility Project. Um, before I jump into the presentation, I wanted a little word of clarification. If, if any of you are digging through council documents or funding documents and you see a reference to downtown mobility, this is the same project. And I'll, I'll get into the reason for that. Um, originally, when this project was initiated, um, we were working on downtown streets. As the planning extended and the, the project scope grew, we started touching some, some streets that are in the Midtown area. And generally speaking, the Midtown residents don't like to be referred to as downtown and vice versa. Uh, so we've started referring to this project as a central city mobility project, just so it's all encompassing. But just a little caveat, if you see anything that references downtown mobility, the downtown mobility project, this is the same project. All right, so let's dive on in. Uh, the Central City Mobility Project really is doing about three different things. Um, first and foremost, it's a pavement rehabilitation project. This project is part of our pavement maintenance effort in the city of Sacramento. But lately, and, and most recently, the city is really committed on leveraging our pavement maintenance dollars on performing much needed safety improvements and operational improvements throughout the city with those funds. So this project is looking to build on some a similar project that was performed in 2018 as part of our pavement maintenance. In 2018, we implemented bikeways on the streets shown in the, the screen uh, right here. Uh, we implemented buffered or separated bikeways on the downtown streets on 9th Street, 10th Street, I Street, P Street, Q Street, and J Street. So this year, we're gonna, we're gonna supplement those bikeways in significant fashion. We're gonna add new bikeways on 9th Street, 10th Street, 19th Street, 21st Street, I Street, P Street, and Q Street. In addition to that, we're gonna perform a two-way conversion on 5th Street. 5th Street currently is one-way northbound. We're gonna make it a two-way street on 5th Street. So why do this? Um, there's, first and foremost, the, the separated bikeways. Uh, the city, uh, there, a study was performed at one point. I, I don't, I'm not 100% certain on the source of the study, but essentially of potential bikers, only one to 5% fall into the strong and fearless and enthusiastic and confident uh, uh, realm of bicyclists. And those are the cyclists that really don't mind riding adjacent to traffic or even with traffic when it's called for but there's a very significant portion of the population, about 60% that are interested, but concerned. And generally those people, given a suitable facility, they would happily use their bike instead of their car to get from point A to point B. They would like to use bike as an alternate mode of transportation to get to their destination. So if you look at the cross sections on the, the screen there, the top cross section is essentially what the existing condition is in downtown streets. You have parking adjacent to the curb, then you have a bike lane, and then you have the vehicular traffic lanes. 
the cyclists in this condition both are concerned about vehicles in the traveled lane that are moving, and they have to be concerned about cars swinging their doors out. Parked cars, when somebody gets out of it, the door can be a hazard for cyclists as well. So the, the, a good representation of the type of improvements that we're implementing downtown is a uh, parking protected bike lane, and that's the bottom cross section. In this section, you see that the cyclists are adjacent to the curb. There's a buffer area between them and the adjacent parked cars to worry in case you're worried about doors swinging out into the traveled way or into the bicycle lane. And the vehicular lanes with moving vehicles are even further separated from cyclists because the cyclists have both the buffer zone and a parked car between them and moving vehicles. And this makes for a much more comfortable scenario for cyclists to ride in. And just to touch on what we're doing on Fifth Street, why would we do a two-way conversion? And there's a couple of reasons. One, it calms traffic. It's gonna slow cars down. If you've ever been on some of the one-way streets that exist downtown, when all the cars are moving in the same direction, they feel a lot more comfortable traveling at higher rates of speed. It also just pro provides a bi-directional uh, access for both bikes and vehicular lanes. Uh, a cyclist is not gonna ride in a bike lane adjacent to the, or against the flow of traffic on a one-way road much more comfortable for cyclists if it's two lane road and they have a bike lane adjacent to the vehicular lane. And last but definitely not least, if you spend enough time downtown and, and driven enough downtown, you've probably seen somebody make a wrong turn and end up going the wrong way on a one direction street. Removing one of those one direction streets just as inherently is going to reduce the wrong way movement. Now, it's not lost on me then I'm talking to you about bike improvements, vehicular safety, and I'm talking to the DAC. You're probably asking yourself, Phil, where are the accessibility improvements? We wanna hear about accessibility and improvements for persons with disability. So what about accessibility and mo mobility improvements? The city is committed to removing barriers and improving safety for users with disabilities. And there are huge components buried in the, in the items that I discussed with you just now that have big upgrades for the, the persons with disabilities. So I have a short list here, and as I go through my presentation, I'll dive into each of these items. So this project includes significant bus stop improvements, um, and they're on some very specific corridors within downtown. There's over 200 curb ramp upgrades occurring with this project, and we're also making some significant safety improvements uh, at intersections that'll serve pedestrians and cyclists, and, and when I say pedestrians, I mean those with disabilities and those without. And I'll dive into those. It really, it comes down to restrictions on parking at intersections and turn wedges near intersections. And I have some slides to detail exactly what that means. But let's talk about the bus stops. Most of the modifications in, uh, that are happening on bus stops are occurring on 19th and 21st Street with this project. Now, RT does have a separate project they've initiated that are going to improve bus stops on 5th Street, but I do not cover that with my presentation because it is not part of our Central City Mobility Project. It's just something to keep an eye out. But for the purposes of this uh, presentation, let's talk about 19th and 21st Street. On the slide, you can see the dots where existing bus stops exist. We've been co coordinating closely with regional transit and their bus operations staff to, to look for improvements to these. We are gonna remove two of these bus stops and these are generally because they're, they're low usage and they're very close to other existing bus stops and it will generally increase the efficiency of, of RT's operations. But most importantly, and what I wanted to show you guys with this presentation are these four bus stops. And we're gonna make hard improvements at these bus stops to make them more accessible. So let's drill into that a little bit and see what that looks like. The first up bus stop that we're gonna improve is at 19th and S Street. And if you, if you look at the photo here, you can see 
this is not a particularly accessible bus stop. The only thing this bus stop has is a sign and a bench that's placed within the planter area. There's really no, no way for a person, say, with a wheelchair to get to the curb line and be loaded onto an RT bus. This is a difficult site. So here's what the improvements are going to look like. And this is pretty typical of the other bus stops I'm going to show you as well. We're going to reconstruct the sidewalk. We're going to reconstruct the curb and gutter, all of which to, to create ADA compliant slopes. And then we're going to pave a concrete access way out to the curb fence to provide a, an accessible loading scenario so persons with disabilities can use transit services. In this particular location, we are going to remove one tree. It is the only tree that we're going to remove with this project. But it was necessary to provide those, these ADA uh, improvements at this stop. Jumping to the next location, it is really the same scenario, except we don't even have a bench. Um, all we have is a sign adjacent to the curb, and it's a planter area. Well, we want to make this more of an accessible location. We want to make regional transit services more accessible for, for users with disabilities. So we're going to do something very simple. We're going to reconstruct the sidewalk back uh, adjacent to the property, make sure the sidewalk has adequate slopes, even landing areas for turning and maneuvering. We'll have a way for, for uh, users to get to the curb line. A concrete paved sidewalk will extend to the curb line, and the curb line itself will also be reconstructed. And you're going to notice a theme as I go through the next couple of bus stops because it's very simple. Uh, the bus stop at 21st and V Street but has a similar situation. It's a planter with just a bus stop sign. In this particular location, we were constrained, constrained on space due to the adjacent driveway, but the improvements are very, very similar. We're going to reconstruct the sidewalk and provide a paved access way out to new curb and gutter to make that bus stop more friendly for, for persons with disabilities. And last but not least, we have a similar location at 21st and S Street. Very similar improvements as I jump into it. Reconstructing sidewalk, providing a paved access way out to the curb line, improving the bus stop's access accessibility. Now, I touched on how this project, and I'm going I'm to move on to the next accessibility uh, improvement uh, related to this project. I want to touch on how important the city's pavement maintenance projects are to the overall, overall city accessibility. It is one of the prime drivers of our ADA ramp upgrades. Every time we do a slurry seal, microservicing, overlay, any pavement maintenance, and we go through an intersection, we are required to ensure that all the ramps at that intersection meet ADA compliance. Now, if you look at the, the picture on the screen and you get a sense for how big a footprint this project has, it, we are touching a ton of intersections. There are a ton of ramps that, that we are going to modify with this project. And when, we, when you come down to it, not all of the ramps at all of those intersections are, are failing in terms of ADA standards. Some of them are ADA compliant. But when you look at all these intersections, what it results in is about 210 ramps that are going to be upgraded. I, I don't have the breakdown of all the numbers. It's, it's generally about half and half. Half of them are going to be really brand new concrete, poured in place, new curb and gutter, new sidewalk, new truncated domes. The other half are gen generally ADA compliant ramps with ADA compliant slopes but they're just missing detectable warning tiles. So in some of the, about half of these locations, we're just gonna be installing new truncated domes, but the other half, we're gonna be pouring concrete and building a brand new ramp. So that is a big, uh, big bonus for, uh, a big benefit for, for those with disabilities that require those ramps to have accessibility throughout the downtown area. And we're very excited about this kind of benefit. So jumping into the intersection work a little bit, 
what we're implementing with this project is is a couple. I don't, I don't want to call them new policies, but it, it's not something that's been done historically through the downtown area. The the first one is we're going to restrict parking within uh, within 20 feet of crossings, and this is this is an issue. And you can see from the photo on the slide when you allow a car park that close to the crosswalk. I mean, would you be able to see somebody in a wheelchair? They are waiting at the ramp to cross that road. So that's that's exactly what we're trying to avoid. We want to restrict parking within 20 feet of the crosswalk, and generally, that's just going to improve sight lines. The pedestrian's going to be able to see oncoming cars. The cars are going to see pedestrians waiting in the ramp and potentially, you know, at least anticipate them beginning to cross. I mean, nobody should be crossing unless they have a green light. A lot of these intersections are signal controlled, but life is a little bit unpredictable, and sometimes people do stuff that they shouldn't. So having those sight lines is a critical safety improvement. And finding examples like this is not hard downtown. I, I did a little research, you know, surfing through uh, Google Maps today, and there's a number of such examples. If you look at this example right here, not only is that blocking visibility for if a bicycle's coming, say, the wrong way in that bike lane for somebody waiting in that ramp, when that car wants to leave its parking spot, it's going to have to literally back into the crossing area. These are the kinds of things that we're trying to eliminate. And we're starting with this project. We're gonna, every intersection that we go through with this project, we're gonna implement a 20 foot clear space for parking from the crossing area. And you know, I have a couple more examples. Here's another one. I, I can't even see the ramp pane right there. You know, the, the visibility improvement from removing these parking stalls is gonna be very important to, to just general safety in the downtown area. And here's one more where this car were to back, you know, if this car is going to leave, it's going to have to back into the crossing. These are the situations that we're hoping to avoid. And I got one more, but I think you guys get the point. Um, and then one last thing before I, you know, I dive into the next steps and just open it up to your general questions. There's a new feature that we're implementing in the downtown area, and we're doing it at several intersections, typically where we have a buffered bike lane, bike lane leading up to it. And it's a turn wedge. And I don't know if you guys have seen these in other jurisdictions, but they're very effective. Essentially what it is, is it's a raised feature built in the roadway that restricts cars from turning too closely to the, to the curb ramp or the curb line. Um, the example that you see on the right is not my favorite example because it's, it's pretty traversable. It looks like a speed bump. Cars probably drive over, over, over it all the time. We'll be doing something a little more substantial than that with our project. But essentially, it's going to ensure that turning cars turn well away from the curb line when they make their turn. This does a number of things. One, it, similar to, to pulling the parking back from the curb ramps, it just increases the, the sight line and the ability for a driver to identify a cyclist or a pedestrian entering the crosswalk before they make their turn. And also, if, if any of you spend a number of time, any amount of time downtown, you understand that the downtown area is a very tight built out environment. The curb, the curb returns, the radius of those corners is relatively tight as well. And frequently when you get turning vehicles, they, they encroach relatively closely to the curb line. That's uncomfortable, uncomfortable for pedestrians. And if the pedestrian takes a step off the curb, they're, they're in potentially conflict with those turning vehicles. By, turning, by putting these turn wedges in, these turning vehicles are gonna be making their movement well away from the, the crosswalk and the curb ramps. And that drastically reduces the potential for conflict between crossing pedestrians and turning vehicles. And sometimes these turning vehicles can be a little scary when you're walking around downtown. So we're excited to make this improvement for pedestrians traveling around downtown. And this is a safety improvement 
for persons with disabilities and those without. It's just, uh, it improves the, the operations uh, for pedestrians trying to cross the road. And it, it makes vehicles get an extra second or two to look for conflicts before they make their turn as well. So I am gonna open this uh, wide open for questions and hopefully I have all the answers for you guys here in a minute. But before I do, I just wanna give you guys an idea where we're at with the project. Generally, we like to present to you guys in the planning stage. And in fact, this project was presented in the planning stage back when Sparky Harris was giving you the, the presentation on grid 3.0, I believe probably a couple of years ago at this point. But it's, this project has continued to evolve and now we've completed design and we're looking at going to construction next year. We have a community workshop that's planned for November 10th. It'll be from five o'clock, 6.30 p.m. And it's at the Capitol Event Center at 1020 11th Street. Now this community workshop is really the, the last public outreach event of several that we've performed. It's at the end of design. So this one's focused more on just letting people know about upcoming construction, what to expect during construction. Um, so it's kind of that informational level. That's kind of where we're at the project. Um, we're planning on advertising this project for construction this month. And we anticipate that the, pro the contract will be awarded at city council in February and construction short starting shortly thereafter. Now I'm just gonna turn it over to questions. Um, I see a couple of hands raised already. So right. the time is yours. Let's start with um, asking the clerk if there are any members of the public who wish to comment on this item. Oh, good call. Thank you, Chair. I do not see any hands raised for this item. Okay. Um, before I call on my fellow commissioners, I just want to say uh, fantastic presentation. Um, it's probably one of the best ones we've had on a uh, public works project in months. So kudos to you. Um, but I still see all the hands. So let me start with um, Commissioner Kennedy. Thank you, Chair. And uh, Phil, once again, amazing presentation. Really, really appreciate it. One of the things our mission has dealt with, I'm sure you're aware of over the last years, is ride shareables. Uh, specifically, how can we allow ride shareables to operate in our city at the same time, look out for the needs of our disabled residents? Uh, in looking at this plan, your presentation, it looks like there's quite a few opportunities for not only bicycles, but perhaps ride shareables to be, you know, not even close to the sidewalk, right? But more out into the streets where they'd be, I guess, protected by a parked car. If I, is that, is that correct? My understanding? I mean, there would be a buffer space. Um, I'm not sure. And that's, that's something uh, it might be the subject of a, a separate uh, presentation to you guys. And I know you guys have had presentation on ride shareables. That's been a hot topic in this commission for quite a while. Um, there will be space out in the roadway for the ride shareables, especially that buffer space can be used. Um, there's also larger buffer spaces near intersections. When we, we pull the parking and everything back 20 feet from those cross sections, it kind of ends up with the striped kind of buffer area instead of in lieu of parked cars, which I wouldn't be surprised if you end up seeing ride shareables placed there. Um, but that is kind of the problem with ride shareables is we have designated places. We even label some places in parts of downtown where we want people to park their ride shareables. But the behavior of users doesn't necessarily follow our best wishes in that regard. Um, but in answer, going back to your question, yeah, there would be space in the roadway where ride shareables could potentially end up. Um, whether or not users place them there is another question entirely. Um, there are 
issues at times with rideshareable being in that space just for trash services and street sweeping, which is another consideration we have to make when designing this. But potentially it's possible. We're not designing anything with that specific intent. But it's not a totally comprehensive answer to your question, but I think it's the best I got. Uh, no, it's it's a great answer. You know, just the ongoing uh, concern of not only where the rice shareables are being parked, but also where they're being used and how that interacts with somebody getting down the sidewalk in a, in a wheelchair. And, you know, it's, it's great to know that it's not only something you're aware of, that perhaps going forward, you know, something that could be incorporated into, you know, just making sure all those ride shareables can be just kind of a little farther removed from the main thoroughfares, made sidewalks and all that. And thank you again for the amazing presentation, Phil. Thank you. My pleasure. Commissioner Crowley. Thank you. Great to see you, Phil. Welcome back. I wanted to ask a question on behalf of our neighborhood associations, the National Night Out, the private um, property, private citizens that see all these improvements and may have the need because of their aging parents or families that have a need in their immediate community not currently having a project. Uh, 311 and the upgrades have been amazing to these communications and that's been the source of how others in my neighborhood and uh, recently with Halloween and you know, as community building is happening, there's a lot of discussion and that's the source of this question. That when a private property owner wants to make upgrades, for example, the city will be providing some sort of pre-approved ADU unit designs in January. This is the buzz in some of these property owners. And, and therefore, they want to um, initiate some of the changes in their neighborhood that you're describing that are within their control. In your diagrams, it showed uh, there were those um, warning tiles. Uh, I'm not sure if I'm using the right phrase or the way that the curbs are being managed and uh, whether uh, communities are bringing it up to the city or not or, or recording it, property owners have a way of applying for different permits and improving the way that their neighborhood interacts with their house, the streets that are um, challenging to navigate when there are uh, differently able, uh, a d diverse group of, of needs, right, um, for differently abled people. So that's the background. The question is, similar to the way the ADU units are going to be pre-approved, that last slide was very compelling, where you have an example of like a design, uh, a, a, a map of sorts, or just sort of like a sketch that might be um, interesting to those who are putting up these ADU units. For example, um, the most specific example I can give is that when driveways need to be upgraded because of uh, city trees that are up the concrete or people want to have turf conversion and they wanna redesign their landscape from what was previously happening or as new homeowners in older neighborhoods wanna invest in their home, there doesn't seem to be a way to point to these property owners how to invest in their property so that part that's not covered by the city would have some sort of inexpensive way for them to redesign, whether it be the landscape or their portion of their property. Is there anything like that that can be mirrored from this project since it is an extension? I think I saw it's phase three and I look forward to going to that last workshop on November 10th, uh, already registered for that. But is there something in the works that 
will extend so that it's not always on the city and waiting for those issues that come up, but that people who are trying to um, increase the value of their property, update their property, uh, are those things being discussed and will they be, if so, are they gonna be available uh, like those ADU unit designs being pre-approved or uh, if not, I'd like to just mention that that's a great idea uh, that different community members uh, besides myself have discussed uh, as recently as uh, the last two months. So I got to apologize. I'm not familiar. And maybe it's give me a little more background on the the, AD, the pre-approved units. Uh, can you give me a little more background on that? Yeah. So, for example, uh, because of the shortage of housing, the, in January, according to... Uh, emails that I've received on the questions in our neighborhood association, for example, whoop, the lights went out. Um, if someone wants to build a mother-in-law suite on their property, for example, then the city will have some pre-approved designs. Maybe that's the word that I need to, needed to use, pre-approved designs that then allows the property owner to seek permits to make changes. So in the case of like the city has the sidewalk that you just des described, you know, these, it happens to be a bus stop, but that same model and same design can be applied in very different scenarios. So we walk around our neighborhood and you see, oh, the city took care of these four sidewalk tiles and this little chunk, but the entire rest of the curb or the neighbors across the street and the kids are tripping and everyone's buying weird signs from Home Depot and the homeowners, um, <laughs> not the homeowners association, but the neighborhood association and the police department and, you know, uh, the, the shelters and the feral cats, and, you know, you have this entire conversation would be so nice that outside of this committee, is there, a, is there a thought that these simple designs, when they're made citywide, that those people who are seeking those permits and making those changes are going to have those them so they don't have to pay that money towards those designs because we know the city already approved it for the bus stop, it maybe it's gonna be approved here, especially when the applications have to go through planning and permits anyway, it just makes the process more efficient. And I'm just uh, extrapolating from your presentation. This is something that um, I was planning to bring up November 10th, but it was just a nice segue because the, the graphics that you presented were so easy to understand by a common person that um, I think the city would, the staff would find itself um, interested to explore if you give the people something that they don't have to go around uh, and have red tape for that it, you can just pick and choose and and save everybody some money and time that the neighborhoods would improve and make it a more universal design for those who have the means to do it and that's the context with which um, like I said coming from different uh, community groups that I'm presenting the question yeah and that's a that's a very diverse question because there's a lot of there's a lot to unpack there right so if we're talking about accessory dwelling units like mother-in-law quarters on-site on-site improvements to the homeowner um that's a that's a topic that generally goes through our community development department and our building department and, and for permitting which is not necessarily my my um expertise and i don't know if because i think what you're asking for is it'd be great if we had these pre-designed templates but, you know, like you don't have to spend a ton of money developing a design to remedy whatever need you've identified for your property, right? Um, 
And so talking about an accessory dwelling unit, a, a mother-in-law's quarters, doing something else on your site, I think that's a much more loaded topic that I would probably wouldn't be prepared to talk about. But if we're talking about sidewalk improvements, like we have tripping hazards in our sidewalk, we need to fix our driveway. We need, that's much simpler. Now, the sidewalk itself is, is by the California Streets and Highways Code, that's gonna be the responsibility of the property. But that doesn't mean they have to do it themselves. You know, if you have a tripping hazard in front of your house, I don't think there's anything stopping you from calling 311 reporting this tripping hazard to the city. Now, what'll happen is the city maintenance forces are gonna come out and they're gonna do an inspection. And, and it's important to note when they come out and do an inspection for a tripping hazard because they got a call from 311, our maintenance forces go up and down the block, a couple hundred feet up and down the block in either direction, looking for other issues. I mean, they don't, once they're out there doing an inspection, they're gonna try and find other barriers to accessible travel. Um, and so maintenance forces will come out and they'll say, hey, yeah, there is a tripping hazard here. And they will, they will draft a letter, I think. And don't quote me on this process, I'm kind of spitballing here. But essentially they, they notify the homeowner, you have a, a tripping hazard in front of your house. Per the Streets and Highways Code, this is the responsibility of the property owner. But city forces will offer, offer to do that for you. I mean, they'll give you a price tag. You'll have to pay city maintenance forces because it is the responsibility of the property. But you don't need to design it. City forces will come out and they will do the same kind of retrofit themselves without you having to pay an engineer to do designs or draw up plans or anything. But that's just simple sidewalk work, right? You get to something like an accessory dwelling unit. That's a much more complicated topic and it, and it transcends public works and goes to CDD. So I don't have a lot to did I no, get to kind of the crux? Yeah, thank you for clarifying the question. Uh, yeah. The reason to mention the accessory dwelling is because of the template, but you did answer it because we're still saying that the city has moved to 311 for the community to report things, to discuss things, and to get those proper permits and applications. And that in unison or in uh, partnership with city services, there can be improvements to the safety of the community. And it doesn't have to be part of a massive project like you just presented, but it triggers it triggers the thought of a community and a neighborhood of well, what about us? And and nowadays, what I'm finding, uh, unlike a couple years ago, is that the neighborhoods are being more proactive. So kudos to everyone um, in the city for uh, really getting there and doing the outreach that we've talked about um, for several years uh, in this commission. Thank you so much, and thanks. Thank you. Vice Chair McMillan. Yeah, yeah. so first up, um, kudos to Josh for getting Phil on the, the, the agenda today. Um, you know, this is part of the point I'm trying to make, um, I think at a high level, that the um, things that we talk about, I don't know where this appears on the follow-up log, but this presentation was related to the DAC. It, it, it hit on items that the, that the, the DAC are concerned about. So this addresses disability uh, access to people. And sometimes our presentations are, are of general interest, but not related specifically to the DAC. And this one is. So I, I just wanna um, re-emphasize re that's important and that was good. Um, Phil, it, it's great to see you again. and and the great presentation. Um, having said that, we like presentations that relate to what our commission's about. I'm gonna ask you a question that's probably not DAC related, but how, how is this funded? 
Oh, okay. So um, first of all, I'm lucky that I work for Public Works. I, I have a position where I get to implement projects that affect just the general public's lives on a daily basis and the, the dis disabled community in particular. I mean, we, we are stewards of the public realm, so I'm fortunate that I have projects that are very applicable to the, to, to, to the commission's mission. Um, how this is funded, this is funded through a, a whole variety of, of fund sources. We applied for a state grant, which is uh, about half of the construction cost. Um, it's, it's only state, not federal. We're, we're lucky on this one. Federal has a lot more hoops we got to jump through. Uh, there's a great, a large amount of our RMRA that's road maintenance and resurfacing account. Our, it's a, our pavement maintenance funds are, are heavily invested in this because after all, it is very much a pavement maintenance project. We're just happening to, uh, include a bunch of safety improvements with it, which is kind of the, the way the city priorities are structured, at least in public works currently. Um, safety is the is the goal, and we're going to leverage all of our uh, pavement maintenance work, our, our pavement maintenance budget as best we can to get grants. I mean, the pavement maintenance funds we have end up. Be, it used to be we would just go slurry seal and overlay pavement because that's what the fund was for. But recently, we've decided to start using that as a local match to leverage federal and state grant funds, which is what occurred in this one. Um, we, we got a state grant by saying, hey, we'll, we'll cover half the cost with our, our local resurfacing budget. Give us another $5 million to, to help us implement safety improvements, bike improvements, ADA upgrades. Um, so that's the general funding picture. I mean, it, we also, I could get a little deeper in it. Uh, there was some funds that we got from the S San, San Joaquin Rail Commission because they're building their new Midtown station over there. They paid us a couple million to extend bikeways, which is a requirement of their project. We also got an affordable housing and sustainable communities grant. Uh, but now we're kind of getting in the weeds of the different yeah. flavors of money. But it's a series of grant funds that were leveraged by our roadway maintenance dollars. All right. Well, thank you. Thanks for the presentation. And like I said, it's good to see you again. It's good to see you guys too. And I'm, I'm happy to be back presenting for the, for the commission. So um, I wanted to thank you again for coming. And um, the only real question I have is, um, did you, for this particular project, and it just makes me laugh that you have to call it Central City um, um, instead of downtown or midtown, but did was there any specific outreach to other stakeholder groups for this project or because this is a, a large project that is incorporating several different um, needs in regards to pedestrians, um, bicyclists, and those with disabilities. Um, did, did you kind of feel like you checked all your boxes without having to, you know, reach out to Society for the Blind and, and so forth? <clears throat> I would be remiss if I told you I could tell you all of the outreach that occurred on this one because it was extensive. And then that's kind of the thing with these type of projects. These projects start as a grid 3.0 plan. They take years and years in development. Um, as you guys are aware, I was kind of out of pocket for the last couple of years. Um, and, but I know that there's been multiple, multiple stakeholder outreach meetings. I think this is the third or fourth community workshop that we're doing on the 10th. I know we've worked with all the, the PBIDs, Midtown Association, Downtown Partnership, but I know that um, our public outreach firm, AIM, has, has reached out to other advocacy groups as well, but I just can't tell you exactly all the ones because I wasn't around for that effort, unfortunately. 
And then my only other follow-up question that you did um, refer to some of the changes that have already taken place in the central city with those um, protected bike lanes. I'm probably not using the right words, for example. Um, are there, have there been any takeaways with the changes that have already been implemented that um, helped guide some of your design work on this project? Or is it just simply in line with what um, what those changes already were, um, or already have been. Does that make sense? No, there, no absolutely. No, there were there were definitely lessons learned when we implemented the, the improvements in 2018, and it it's could it could be as simple as as we learned. Um, I think the city ended up buying some special street sweepers that fit down these bike lanes to keep mm -hmm. keep those free from debris. Um, I think pulling parking back away from intersections and driveways, I think we started pulling them back a little bit further in this in this improvement than we did in 2018 because we got a few complaints here and there. Um, but we, we did make little minor operational improvements uh, based on the feedback we got from the 2018 uh, project. Um, so that there were little tweaks to the design. It's the same concept. But when you do a project like this, you, you make tweaks. It's really at intersections and conflict points where you start saying, oh, well, we could do it slightly different next time. Maybe it improves visibility here. So we've made those kind of slight edits to what was done in 2018, but it's it's really minor changes um, based on feedback and, and performance we, we observed from the previous improvements. Okay. And then um, one other question in regards to the bus stops. So I'm gathering from your presentation that the sign for the stop is RTs, but the infrastructure that supports the riders is the responsibility of the city? Um, or is that not, is it just because of where it's located, a street, you know, sidewalk adjacent? That's actually a, that's a mixed bag. Um, okay. Because, you know, when we have projects and it, we, we generally look at, we coordinate closely with regional transit. And if we have, if it's within the scope of the project and we have the ability to make these kinds of upgrades to the bus stops, um, we're going to do it. But at the same time, I can't say it's it's only the city's responsibility because RT themselves is initiating a project down Fifth Street to improve bus stops on Fifth Street. Okay. So it both agencies do their best to to update infrastructure as needed to improve their services to the community. Um, so it's not really a one or the other thing. RT is our partner in this, and we work very closely with with their bus and light rail operations, depending on you know which facilities we're touching. Great. Thank you very much. We hope to be seeing you more frequently <laughs> now that you're back. Well, I'm, I got a lot of projects. I'm sure I will be back. Okay. Fantastic. Um, so this item is also for review and feedback. So no vote is required. And we will move on to the next item on the agenda, which is commission comments, ideas, and questions. Um, commissioners, please raise your hand if you have something you would like to share during this um, period of the agenda. This would be your opportunity to chat about things that you're doing, things you'd like us to discuss. Um, and I see Vice Chair McMillan. Thank you. I, I had a bunch of stuff I wanted to talk about, but it kind of got derailed with the discussion of the, uh, the, the log follow-up log but i'm still not clear um on the process for making sure that the uh hr policy thing is going to get agendized for the next meeting so 
I just hope that that happens. I don't know how to make that happen if it's not on the follow-up log. And um, uh, to the comment that that um, I brought up earlier about wanting to uh, chat with the um, the new commissioner. Um, unfortunately, uh, last month, Mr. Hicks, you weren't here, but we were told we couldn't do that because it wasn't on the agenda. So a little bit of confusion there. Um, the thing, I think that this commission, we, we celebrate success um, that the city makes and the commission makes. You know, the Tim Haley Awards are, are indicative of that, that we celebrate that. And last month, uh, Chairman, Chairperson Boyd brought up um, improvements made, um, the captioning of, of the meetings in, in the chamber that wasn't there. She also acknowledged the, uh, the print uh, version of the agenda, having um, the, the language in there for the ADA statement. And, you know, those are good things. We should we should recognize and celebrate those things I, in a way, but what I'm what I'm the point I'm trying to make is that I think that the disconnect between city staff and this commission should be looked at a little bit. My understanding was is that there is an ADA uh, committee being formed. My hope and wish is that the ADA committee would become part of this meeting. Um, in, in some formal fashion, because it's the only way we get to communicate. And I think that if we uh, use this meeting and those people are present, we can have these open discussions and um, we could um, alleviate some of the uh, miscommunication or the misunderstandings or the lack of communication that, that was apparent earlier in, in our meeting. So. I just like to comment on that. And I, what I really don't know is how to get that message across, and that's why I was asking: was the follow-up is the follow-up log the way to put things on the log so they get followed up for for the next meeting? And I'm not clear on that. Um, the other thing was is that sometimes in the past we, I know as vice chair and chair, we used to get a draft agenda of the meeting minutes prior to the meeting so we could provide feedback. That hasn't always happened. And I'm just hoping we could get to some communicate, some agreement that that should be and can be a good process. I looked at the new ordinance on that the PPE, there is nothing in there that mentions a process around agenda creation, agenda review and feedback. So I'm, I'm thinking that it's agreeable that city staff could prepare drafted agendas regularly, feedback. So maybe we don't have this confusion about, oh heck, it's not on the agenda again. We got to wait another month. Um, just comments, uh, thoughts to take away. Um, the, other, the last thing I wanted to comment on was some of the presentations we, and acknowledge that a year ago, we were getting presentations on things that were on projects that were already done, or projects that were already funded, and we expressed at that time, you know, at the time of funding or design might be a better time to include our commission so we could give some feedback and 
risking says, and that happened. So I want to acknowledge that when when we got bought into the Richards Boulevard project and the I Street Bridge replacement, I don't know what it's called, but I call it the I Street Bridge replacement. That was really helpful. And as a result, today's presentation with, with Phil is coming back to input that we had earlier on. So I just want to acknowledge that um, that is good. And future presentations early on at the concept of project rather than after the fact can bring us, uh, we could provide more input or provide more concerns concerning the accessibility and the concerns for our disabled community early on in the project, often after it's funded and designed, it's too late. So um, some positive feedback on some of the things we've seen. So I think the only thing that's not clear to me is how, how do we, uh, the role of the follow-up log or how do we get agendaized items agendaized? That's it for me, thanks. Thank you, Vice Chairman Fillon. Uh, Commissioner Kennedy, I saw your hand raised. Do you still have something you'd like to say during this point? point? Uh, no, not, not right now. Thank you. Any other commissioners with comments, ideas, questions for this part of the agenda? I've seen none. Um, I do. Um, Brandy, Brandy, yes. Sorry, I, I Go did ahead. want to add something. Um, we, we were, um, you know, this commission was was established by ordinance, right? So it, the commission's important and has to be had. Two months ago, we didn't have a, a quorum. The meeting got canceled. We're almost struggling each, each month to have a quorum. Several uh, meetings ago, maybe a meeting ago, um, a comment was made that the city would do something to help us recruit new commissioners. Again, I don't know whether it's happened or not because I, I haven't seen anything. It may have happened, but I, I really want to reiterate that point, the importance we're uh, losing Commissioner Santana. I think we have an opening. So my ask or point to the city is, how can you help us recruit and get new members? We got a, a new term coming up in January. Um, so sorry, I didn't mean to, I forgot that, but I wanted to add that back because uh, I'd really like to see, maybe it was done, just not communicated to us, but uh, help recruiting. So I will uh, follow up on that. Uh, yes, it is true. We, we do have an open seat, fully open, that term expired. That individual did not want to continue to serve until the replacement was um, um, approved by the PPNE and council. Um, Mr. Santana had agreed to continue to serve um, when his term ended um, and has been doing so and found out at the last meeting that he could have a whole nother year due to the change in the um, language around commissions, boards and committees. Um, but he has since informed the clerk and myself that um, uh, he was absent today, but he will be able to come. He's planning to be here in December, but that will be his last meeting um, and he can't continue to serve. So then that opens up uh, two spots um, on our commission. And I had reached out to the city staff that puts out the city express because they had done an article um, 
in their e-newsletter uh, seeking applicants for another commission or committee. And um, knowing that we had had two open seats since uh, June 2021, um, I reached out and asked if they could do the same uh, for us. And in August, they indicated they would. I have followed up a couple of times um, to see if they needed assistance because it sounded like it would be happening sooner than later. And it's um, been a, a couple months and I haven't heard anything back. So um, perhaps staff can follow up with them on that. Um, <clears throat> so that would be great to, to have that um, out there. I do know that when um, the PE last met, met, it was noted by the chair, Vice Mayor Ashby, that we had open seats and that um, we didn't have enough applicants to fill those seats. Um, and she had asked city staff and commissioners who were in attendance at that time to um, help with recruitment. So, you know, that was an ask of the PE as well. Um, moving on, I, I do have a concern. It's specific to my area of the city in North Natomas. Um, we have a lot of realtors who are putting their open house signs in the curb cuts and on sidewalks every weekend. And I wanted to find out um, if there is a way to um, work with city um, code enforcement to specifically target my community for enforcement. That's an ADA access issue. It's also an access issue for people who are riding their bikes, walking. Um, I have tried to use 311. It does not work because by the time somebody comes out, you know, of course that sign has been moved off of the, um, off to the side, off the sidewalk because it's only there for a few hours, but that um, doesn't mean that it's not a barrier to clear paths of travel. So that's something that I was hoping to get some feedback on and I would appreciate if somebody could reach out to me on that. Um, also, I, I shared last year, um, the cops and coffee event that I was coordinating with uh, Sacramento Police Department and the Five Brave Foundation. Um, I'm working on that again this year. That is, um, scheduled for the weekend uh, for Saturday, December 3rd, one to three in the afternoon. I will, when the flyer comes out, I will ask staff to forward it to all of the commissioners um, because we will not be meeting again until um, after that occurs, but I would love to see you guys there. Um, the point of this event is to, or the goal of this event is to um, expose not only the police officers, but members of the ID and developmentally disabled community um, to each other, like have an opportunity to interact and interface um, when you're not in crisis and, and um, build those relationships and connections in the community. So that is all I have. Um, I've seen no other hands. We will move on to the Tim Haley Rec Recognition Program Ad Hoc Committee update. Um, I thought we were gonna have this actually on our agenda this month, but seeing we didn't have an item. So uh, Commissioner Kennedy, do you have an update from your ad hoc committee? Yeah, thank you, uh, Chair Boyd. So at this point, uh, and based on what we shared at our last meeting, at this point, we are gonna open up the nomination process uh, via correspondence between Josh and I. The goal was to have the nominations in by November 18th. So 
my hope would be an email would go out after this meeting from Josh to my fellow commissioners asking, requesting their nominations. Uh, in addition, I'll uh, include the language of the requirements and everything we shared at the last meeting, what the requirements are and the parameters behind, you know, who can or cannot. If it's pretty simple, it's what we've worked on in the past. But my hope is after uh, this meeting, uh, Josh can uh, send out an email. We get those nominations by the 18th, which allows us and our committee to review those uh, nominations and with the hope of eventually not only sharing the nominees at our December meeting, but presenting the awards in January, very similar to what we did last year, very similar timeframe. Um, Commissioner Kennedy, do you have a number of awards or do you, uh, can you refresh my memory? Are we encouraged to submit more, you know, one or more nominees? At our previous, uh, at our previous meeting, we discussed how last time we provided seven, uh, seven awards. Uh, this time around, we could uh, aim for seven as well. But as I think even you yourself, Chair, uh, Chair Boyd, you nominated more than one person, you know, and so it, my hope would be that each of my fellow commissioners uh, has a nominee, but in the event that that doesn't happen, I'm sure we could have a commissioner maybe vote, uh, nominate more than one person similar to what we did last time. Mm -hmm. Okay, so what I'm hearing, um, Commissioner Kennedy's report is that an email will be going out with the criteria that was previously approved by the commission for this recognition program, um, seeking uh, fellow commissioners um, to submit nominations to Josh by email uh, by November 18th so that those um, individuals can be on the agenda in December for discussion, correct? That is correct. Okay. And I believe when you are submitting that nomination, you are also providing some information on why you nominated that individual. Is that correct? It is. Thank you. All right. Anything else to add on this item? I'm very much looking forward to uh, sharing, sharing these awards, presenting these awards for our second time now and honoring those in our community who go above and beyond to help our disabled residents. Okay. Thank you, Commissioner Kennedy, for coordinating that again. Uh, so the next item on our agenda is the Public Meeting Accessibility Ad Hoc Committee update. Um, the ADA complaint um, is part of the outcome from that committee. I had received a communication from the city clerk saying that there was an update, unfortunately, I teach on Wednesdays and have a full-time job and have to run home to get on Zoom, even though I work literally right across the street from City Hall, so it would be so much easier to meet in person. Um, I wasn't able to have a phone conversation. I did invite her to speak during uh, matters not on the agenda or during our uh, follow-up blog item. Um, so hopefully by um, our next meeting, we will have some sort of update on our um, complaint. Uh, Clerk, are there any members of the public who wish to speak on items not on the agenda? Thank you, Chair. I do not have any hands raised for matters not on the agenda. Okay, so there was a supplemental item sent out by email just prior to the meeting. There was an e-comment regarding somebody who had applied for a city position and um, there was a little bit of discussion about whether that was appropriate for the commission. I will say that I looked up this position on the city's website and it does say that 
there is a requirement to have a Class C driver's license for this job. However, individuals who do not meet this requirement due to a physical disability will be reviewed on a case-by-case -case basis. Um, and I believe that the individual who sent the message was concerned that um, he would be without having that type of driver's license or a physical disability is not um, eligible for the job. So that might be something that we just um, talk about as these HR policies come to our commission. It's kind of a reverse concern than what we're used to seeing, but I do see that it um, could apply to us in terms of giving some feedback to the city. Anybody have anybody anything else to add at this point? Seeing no hands, um, this concludes today's agenda. Thank you everybody for your participation. The meeting is adjourned.